welcome to the School of Laughs podcast, brought to you by SchoolofLaughs.com. Whether you're an aspiring comedian, a part-time pro, or a speaker who wants to become funnier, this is the podcast for you. We'll break down tools, tips, and techniques to help you get bigger, better, and more bookable. And now, here's the show. Welcome to the School of Last podcast. Rick Roberts here, coming to you on a cool and rainy October night in Nashville, Tennessee. They talk about climate change, and I tell you what, it happens at least four times a year. Most places that I go, these seasonal changes, and man, it, it can it can dog you down a little bit. I had a little bit of the sinuses going on the past couple of weeks. I uh, happened to fall right into a little pocket where I wasn't doing shows, so I was able to, to get over that and rest up. But it's that time of year, folks. You got to make sure you get your rest in when you travel. You got to get out the pure rail. You got to wear a doctor's mask when you fly on the airplane, make people think you're sick so they don't sit next to you. You know all the tricks. Do a little coughing when they walk down the aisle, whatever you got to do to get through it. But it is a little chillier here. I don't mind uh, the first part of fall i don't like when it gets to be uh bare trees and and nothing going on out there in the yard because i'm a yard guy but anyhow uh it is fall here where you're at i hope the weather's nice i know we have listeners that download the show in 31 countries now many of those countries i have not been to in fact 29 of them i believe or at least 28 so uh wherever you are shoot me an email schoolofglass at gmail.com let me know how you're doing with your comedy career and what the weather's like where you're at i want to hear from some people all over the globe this week schoolofglass at gmail.com our interview today is with mike james phoenix arizona's mike james you might recall we did an interview with Mike James from here in Nashville, Tennessee a while back, and you can still pick up his episode uh, anywhere that you download this thing. But this time we're talking to Mike James in Phoenix, and we talk about how he had to make the decision from being a software engineer full-time, and he was uh, raising his family on that salary and uh, all that good stuff. And then he decided, hey, I think the comedy thing is really where I'm headed. Maybe I'll do that full time and just do a little bit of software stuff on the side if I have time for it. And that's eventually the route he took. We'll talk about how he did that, how he discussed that with his wife, what that looks like as a family guy in this point in life. I will say, if you don't know Mike, he is uh, at least my age. I'm 50. I'm not going to push Mike too far either direction, but I think he's around my age, so a little older, and we always have questions that come in through the email is, how can you start comedy later in life? Well, check out his answer, and uh, and he'll tell you his situation on this episode. We talk about the avenues that he has pursued through comedy, how his son was actually an inspiration for him to get into comedy in the first place, wasn't even on his radar at all, how he started doing corporate gigs, and then eventually doing some stuff on cruise ships. And now he does Christian comedy shows as well with Cross-Eyed Comedy with our friend Brian Kahatsu from a few episodes back. So a lot of good information on today's episode. I would advise you to listen closely, make some mental notes, email me with any questions, any questions you have for Mike James. You can email them to me and I'll forward them on to him. And if you want to take a look at Mike before you listen, it's MikeJamesComedy.com. All right. Thank you for listening. Let's get into this episode of the School of Last podcast. Episode 178. Well, how's it going, Mike James? It is going very well. How are you doing, Rick Roberts? Doing great. Uh, I'm glad to talk to you. We had talked about doing this while I was in Phoenix, and it looked like we were both going to be too busy to carve out some time. So thanks for jumping on the phone here and doing it with me. 
over the the old AT&T wires through the countryside. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no problem. Yeah, so things been going pretty good your way? Yeah, things have been uh, going, keeping me pretty busy. It's um, comedy has, uh, funny, you know, I started out never expecting this to be full-time. It was a more of a bucket list kind of, hey, I think this would be fun to try sometime. And uh, I never would have imagined I'd be doing this full-time. But yeah, things are things are going well. And uh, always always looking for more opportunity and, and more work, obviously. But yeah, things are going great. Well, what did you do before you went full-time comedy? I was a software engineer. I uh, worked at Microsoft for many years and then moved to Phoenix about 20 years ago. And since then, just done a lot of, I, I have my own software company and also did a lot of contract work for different organizations. Um, and that's what I did for most of my adult career. Interesting. What kind of software programs were you designing? Well, early on, it was uh, mostly Windows applications. So uh, like, for example, I worked on Excel um, and those programs, I, I wrote parts of Excel for Microsoft and that stuff. So Excel 4.0 was the big product I worked on at the time and also Windows 95 and Windows 2000. Those were my products that I worked on back in the day. And then um, when I moved to Phoenix, I worked on business, just other business software, kind of boring stuff, nothing exciting like video games or anything. <laughs> And uh, of course, then it evolved to web application design and and building uh, web applications and that sort of, sort of thing. Interesting. So, what got you into the comedy bug? I know you said it's a bucket list thing, but was was it one of those deals where your friends yeah. about to try this, or were you well, just curious? It, it's a, it's an interesting little story. So, my kids, a couple of my kids, started taking an improv class in high school, and they really liked it. It was fun, and you know, so. It was, trying to be a good parent uh oh here's here's an interest they have so let's explore it all the way out and see if that's something they want to be doing and in the process of that i ended up connecting with a little a tiny little local uh acting studio here in phoenix uh waymeyer studio is the name of it and and in the process of that um trying to connect them with improv i ended up uh kind of running the improv program there <laughs> and, <laughs> and creating, creating it to just give them an opportunity to do it. I didn't know anything about it, but I, I learned as I went and, and I had some training through the acting people there and, and that. So that's how I started. And then I, through the improv, I met Brian Kohatsu, who I know, you know, and um, we, we kind of became good friends and, and did a lot of improv for several years. And both of us had an interest in doing uh, stand-up comedy. So we got, a bunch of people in the Phoenix area together, people we knew, people we didn't know, just kind of reached out to everybody and said, hey, if there's anybody interested in uh, doing stand-up comedy that maybe hasn't or has just started it or whatever, I, I got everybody together for kind of a big roundtable meeting one night to just discuss it. And what does it take? And, and what, how, you know, what's the best way to get into it and all of that? I had no idea. And I didn't even know there was a community of comedy out there. So... Um, so we did that, and then we decided to start to get together once a week, which we did. And then we, after a few months, we put on a little show with friends and family. And I had like five or ten minutes at the time. And uh, looking back, it was horrible. I mean, my material, but what I did was not good at all. But my friends and family were very supportive, so I walked away thinking, oh, this is actually kind of cool. And started doing open mics and doing, um, and actually through an open mic, got booked on a real show here in Phoenix at a small club. And, uh, and then I just, it just, I really was really enjoying it. Just thought this is just so much fun and I really like it. Well, ultimately it started taking up more and more time. As you know, 
stand-up comedy can be kind of addictive and it also it really starting to take up more time. I was spending a lot of time writing and, and being out at the clubs a lot of weekend nights. And I thought, okay, if I'm going to do this, I have to make some level of money. Mm-hmm. And I learned pretty quickly that uh, open mics and, uh, you know, hosting uh, at a comedy club, is, there's no money there. And it's, it's, I know it sounds a little shallow, but uh, really my big drive to me was, I, you know, I, I have kids, I have a life, I, I can't afford to spend all this time doing something just for a pure hobby. So, um, so I just kind of kept working on my stuff and then tried to find little ways I could, uh, incorporate that into speaking engagements for companies or whatever, which I'd already done some of. Yeah. So you did some of that early and then you kind of started punching those up, making them a little fun. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, it just kind of evolved from there. So, I mean, I do a lot of clubs and things, but because of that history, most of my work is corporate events and um and like i said ultimately uh now i've been doing cruise ships and you know a lot of casino runs and things like that but a lot of what we do now is cross-eyed comedy brian uh and i you know are part of the uh, christian comedy association and 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 um so we put together an organization a ministry we call cross-eyed comedy and so we we reach out to churches a lot and do a lot of the church events and, and things like that through that so Ultimately, it just kind of evolved into becoming my full-time job, which is, again, something I never expected to happen. Yeah, and there's a lot of interesting steps along the way there. Let's let's go back to when you were uh, kind of combining your comedy into your uh, corporate speaking. Were you speaking on software yeah. originally? Yeah, I was. I was speaking on, sometimes on uh, software and um, just the technology behind things um, and methodologies and processes and things. So they were very boring things. And sometimes it was specific software I'd, I'd have to do a presentation on here's software we put together and and, and kind of a sales pitch for, mm-hmm. more or less but yeah I started just punching that up with the comedy I had started to learn and and how to um you know I always I always kind of tried to make things a little lighthearted. but after having done stand doing stand-up a little bit and having a taste of that I, I started to really implement more of those those techniques and and um philosophies into the into those otherwise really boring <laughs> half hour uh speeches yeah and did you take advantage of you know having slides and use some visual stuff up on the screen to get a few laughs um i didn't actually ever do that um par- partly because i'm i'm not great at preparing <laughs> <laughs> i live kind of in the moment i honestly that's uh, that's definitely to my detriment i'm not great at you know putting in enough time preparing for things like i, I should at least in that world um, but it wasn't, it was years later, I started to see some, some other people speaking and using more comedy and using the visual, um, cues and things to help that out. And I thought, wow, that's really great. That, that could really help out a lot. And I, I never have done that, but I, I, I can certainly see the value in it. Yeah. Sometimes when I have a, a joke idea, I'll try it out in a speech and I'll first do it as a slide. Yeah. Mainly, just like you say, it's, it's hard to remember everything. So I'll put it in a slide so it pops up. Uh, I'll do the joke. Yeah. And then I'll, once I've got the joke, I'll try it out in a stand-up situation, get it stronger. Then I'll take it back to the speech and do it without the slide. And yeah. kind of get a chance to open mic a little bit of material when I'm doing a corporate <laughs> speech, which, you know, I, I love doing that because if it doesn't work in a corporate setting it's just like well that was just another slide <laughs> but if it does work yeah no that's 
Yeah. yeah. That's a great idea. Yeah. It's just a nice little, it's a safe little area. Not that everything always has to be safe, but it's a, it's a low risk place of putting in a joke and seeing how it works. And if it can work in a, a stale corporate environment, uh, then it's going to work in a comedy club usually. So that's good stuff. Absolutely. So you did that for a while and you were still writing some software. Doing oh some- yeah. Yeah. I actually, um, the, as far as doing comedy full-time, I started doing comedy full-time about two years ago where I really wasn't doing any software at all. And a lot of that was because I was getting booked on a lot of cruise ships. So I didn't have time to do uh, much else. Mm-hmm. Um, but also, um, you know, the income from the comedy work was sufficient enough at that point where I could kind of put the other stuff to the side. Now, even now, there I, I still do some software consulting on the side, but it's it definitely comedy is my is my primary income at this point. And what was it like with talking that over with your wife as far as, you know, this is what I've been doing, <laughs> this is what I would like to do. Did it just the, the numbers convince her or was it more like she saw your drive for it and she knew the family would be taken care of either way? You know, my my wife is so funny. She um, First of all, my kids at this point are growing their, out on their own. So it's just her and I at home. And she, she's funny because I think she's, she really pushed me into doing even the improv and that she, you know, she's very encouraging of that. And she knows what my passions are. You know, I tend to be more creative and, and, and she knows that she knows that that's what drives me. So, uh, through a lot of decisions through our life, I, you know, I, I was t- and, and through this for sure, I, I talked to her about it, but I can see by the look in her face that she can see the look in my face, which is, Look, I'm going to do this, <laughs> and uh, I think she, I think she just realized. Look, I know this is where you want to go, and because this is where your passion is, this is you know going to be the better thing for us. So, she's always been just super supportive. She's she's amazing. And does she enjoy the fact that you're gone sometimes, so that when you're together, you <laughs> have less stress? <laughs> I think so. Actually, I, I you know oftentimes joke about you know importance in a marriage of quality time but not quantity time <laughs> right and uh she she uh yeah she's she's totally fine with that she actually is fairly busy herself she she's a professional athlete she played uh beach volleyball for a long time but now you know as we're getting a little older she's uh she's playing um pickleball which i know a lot of people don't know what that is but it's actually a very very popular sport and uh, so she travels around the country uh, doing that professionally so we're, we both have our own separate schedules. Now, if I'm not mistaken, and your your friend is Brian Kahatsu, is, wasn't his wife or is she a professional golfer or something? She is, yeah. Carrie Kahatsu, Brian's wife, is a is a professional golfer. She was on the LPGA tour, and uh, yeah. So, so you, yeah, and actually, it's funny because Brian and I got to know each other. We became good friends. Then we brought our wives to out uh, one night to say, you know, let's all get to together one time and Jenny and Carrie actually already knew each other. <laughs> really? But they didn't know that, but yeah, it turned out, Oh, they already knew each other through, uh, through sports. <laughs> Interesting. So that, you know, that's good because yeah. they, they both have the insight as to travel and it's not all glory all the time, especially when you're getting the body right. white and getting in at two in the morning and all that. Kind yeah. of stuff. So, that is for sure. Yeah. Yeah. I know when my wife, she, uh, she works for a concert promotion company and, Back before we had kids, uh, she worked for a different one, and she had to go cover shows and take those early flights and do three or four day runs. And after about two months of that, she said, "You know, I used to think it was all fun and games when you were out there traveling, but if if you can do it, keep on doing it." (laughs) 
Yeah. Yeah. It is. It, yeah. It's funny. My wife, she, she loves to be new places and she can go on the cruise ships with me sometimes. So, you know, we'll go to the Bahamas and the Caribbean and, and these tropical ports that she loves. Um, although she doesn't like to go to the little Northeast, Northeastern cruises or the Alaska cruises. She doesn't like the cold, but uh, so she's been able to get to these places and have fun, but she's, she is not a traveler. She doesn't like to be in the process of traveling like road trips or airplanes or any of that. That's not something she enjoys. So, um, so yeah, for both of us, she, she, I think she greatly empathizes with the, Oh, that's too bad that you have to fly out to Nebraska and then drive around for three days to different events. <laughs> right. right. And that's a good part of the yeah. good deal of the, of the work is, is, you know, I'm, I think I'm the key king of flying into a big city and then driving two hours to the smaller one <laughs> to do my corporate. Yeah. 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 I do that a lot. I, yeah. I have I've, I've, I remember flying to Minnesota and then driving to Fargo. <laughs> yes, and, I mean it's like a three or four hour drive. Yep, and sometimes yeah. it's still a, a faster way to travel and trying to find a connecting flight through Fargo, or, or, or it's definitely more affordable. Sometimes yeah, that. Yeah, yeah. So with these um, cruise ships, now you know you kind of started off with the corp- the comedy and the clubs and the corporate stuff, and then cruise mm-hmm. ships. I know from experience it takes quite a bit of material to take on those gigs. How long ago did you start doing the cruises? Uh, about two years ago, well, two and a half okay. years ago, I think um, roughly, but yeah. I, and what happened was I, I was working with an agent um, who was somebody that I just, he, he owned a, he owned a venue locally here and I, and I performed for him there a few times and just got to know him. And then um, he, but he also he primarily he books musical acts. He books a lot of cover bands and and tribute bands and things like that. So he books a lot of those around the country. Well, he um, would also book me periodically for some of the same venues when you know they want something other than music. So they'd book me to come out and and then Brian and I, for example, would go out and put on a show and and they they went really well. So I had a good relationship with him. Well, he ultimately started um, booking cruise ships also, and it's through that he bought a big. Uh, agency that that had a big uh, stake in cruise ship booking, so it was through that that I ended up being able to work on the cruise ships uh, originally. But you're right. Um, at first, it started out with uh, they said, "Well, how much material can you do?" And I said, "Well, you know, I've got maybe an hour, an hour and fifteen minutes of I feel strong material." And they said, "Well, it has to be clean." And I said, "Well, it's all, I, I always work clean, so that's no problem for me." Um, but it was a little bit of a hard sell, I think, because the cruise ships want about an hour and a half of material, or at least they want to be able to draw on an hour and a half of material. Right. They don't always use you for an hour and a half, but they want to be able to know that you have that in you. And so, you know, and I was honest, I said, you know, this is what I have. Um, but I got on some of the ships and it worked out. And then there were a couple of times on the ships where they said, well, we want you to do this, these two 45 minute shows, which is the same material, but now we want you to do this 20 minute thing here and another 20 minute here. And, so it's like, wow, okay. So I, I was sitting in my stateroom on a cruise ship writing for the first year of doing that. I was doing a lot of writing, trying to figure out how am I going to stretch this out and how am I going to add more to it? Yeah, it's interesting because, uh, you know, when I started doing them, I think the first batch I did was Norwegian. So you would do 10 to yeah. 15 minutes the first night to kind of show people what you got. Then you'd have your middle of the week show. Yeah. Uh, they wanted a, a midnight show that was dirtier and I passed on that and said, you know, instead yeah. of a dirty show, how about I give you 
an hour some night where I just walk around the ship as Barney Five and interact with people, and they they jumped all over. Oh, great. Yeah, so I didn't have to go dirty. And then uh, sometimes you do the ten minutes on the farewell show. So, but I, I would I quickly realized the value of having really quick, strong openings, and then yeah, having to to swap out. You know, I wouldn't say <laughs> your one hour show, but you would have to save a couple of pieces uh, from your powerhouse show to to close out your other two sets with, and then. Yep find some new openings. Uh, and I kind of got stuck doing the same opening two or three minutes for a long time. So that was, you know, I was just like, you know, I, I would take my laptop. I go into like where the, you know, where they had the meals and it was off time. So I just yeah. get some desserts and some six or seven cups of coffee in a row and you sit there and stare out the window <laughs> and, and like, and I would literally, cause I knew we were going to go to the same ports the second week. We're just going to repeat. I started writing, I would get off yeah. the book do what they were doing, then come back and write jokes about it. So I had some uh, more almost yeah. localized stuff. And that, and some of that stuff would actually work when I got back on land, I could tweak it a little bit and, and still save yeah. the joke and material. But, you know, for a while there, I would book two, two week cruises every year just so I could get all my material together, divide stuff up and, and kind of grow my show. <laughs> yeah. It is, it is a great opportunity to, to have that kind of quiet by yourself time to sit and write and do all that, which is I, my, my biggest struggle is re, is removing distractions. You know, when I'm on land to remove distractions so I can just focus on my comedy business. But, um, but on the ship, it's, I mean, you almost have to work to even get a distraction. <laughs> no, exactly. That's, that was the big plus for me is I, I didn't have phone calls coming in. Uh, it wasn't yeah. emails or any of that stuff. So I would just go find a quiet place and, and write and, yeah, when I got tired of that, go jump in the pool and have a little fun. So, you know, you mentioned the uh, the the late night dirty show, and that's um, I, I've only been called on a couple, a few times to try and do that, but I've I've done them. But it's interesting because what'll happen is, you know, the, people come out and see your headline show, the midweek big show, and then they you see around the ship, and oh, I loved your show, and this is, I can't wait for you know tomorrow night because it's the adult show. And I just kind of smile, say, yep, yep, you know. And the funny thing is I don't ever make it dirty. Right. You know, I just, I do, I do, you know, another show. And um, and I've even told, like, the cruise director, the entertainment manager to let them, look, it's not going to be dirty, but, you know, the adults will be, the adult, they'll have fun. It'll be more adult-oriented material, which it is. It's material that adults would could relate to more than children, you know. Sure. And, but it's not, but it's not at all dirty or anything. And so... At the end, I, I have had a complaint where it was, it was the only time in my whole comedy career ever where anybody's ever said to me, it wasn't dirty enough. I always tell people, you know, we're clean because nobody ever complains that it's not dirty enough, but they will definitely complain that it's too dirty. Um, and I, I guess I, that's the one exception is when they push it as a, they don't push it as a dirty show. They push it as an adult show, which I think the implication is that it's going to be more, you know, risky and, Mm -hmm. and and so forth but anyway yeah yeah i know uh that's pretty funny i, I almost want to call those late shows the juvenile show and, yeah exactly and never call yeah. a dirty show the adult show because i think an adult has enough intelligence to sort things out for themselves but that's just the way it you're is. right that's a, uh, that's that's very true that's funny because it, it's that's definitely true the dirtier it is usually it's the more juvenile humor you know yeah, the, like the grade school humor level. 
Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, let's stay on the cruise ship topic for a second. And for people that are thinking about getting into it, and we've kind of discussed you need to have a good chunk of material. What are some other, you know, skills and attributes that come in handy for doing a cruise? You, you offer up a couple and I'll share some too. Well, I will say for sure, I, for, first of all, to get into them, if you have a very strong promo video and, and um, it's fine to have kind of a sizzle roll where you have got like little spots of different places you've been and, and that sort of thing. But what they, what I think they really look for and what I've been told they're looking for is um, just a, uh, a chunk of your material that is really strong where they can see, you know, 10, 10 or so minutes of it, um, straight through. And, uh, I, I, I just know that's what they're looking for. And, and, and honestly, despite what you hear about cruise ships wanting to be more this way or that way, it really does need to be clean. You, you have to remember on all these cruise ships, there's families coming out to the shows. You know, some of the cruise ships like Holland America are much older crowds. Right. Um, and they, but you know, they're also much more conservative. They want it. They still want it clean. Some of the younger cruise lines, like maybe Carnival or even Disney, you know, that's families and younger crowds, but because of that, they want it clean. So I really push, and, and I know you always have to clean, clean is green and it, it, you know, being clean is always much more marketable. So, so for having a video like that, a strong, good video is, is the way in through these agencies. And then but on the cruise ship itself, I think the skills that help are being able to kind of roll with the, with the crowd. You know, you, it's, it's so strange. You'll do great in a show with your material. And then, you know, the late show comes in or, or another crowd comes in and all of a sudden it's like, man, well, I can't buy a laugh here. I can't get them to respond to anything. And so you just have to be able to have that ability to kind of like, okay, they're not going this direction. Let me try this direction until you find it. So it's, it's definitely a different, it's a different kind of comedy. It really is. It's a different kind of performing, I think. Um, so uh, I guess, to me, that's it. And, and to be honest, on the cruise ships, they, I, I don't want to denigrate people that do it or anything for sure. But the cruise ships, the kind of more campy your comedy is, the better you'll do. <laughs> the more, you know, set up punchline oriented it is, the, the better it works. They, it's, uh, it just seems to be that way. I don't know why. Yeah, more traditional setup punch and more, yeah. you know, I wouldn't say cheesy or anything like that. You just have to be a little more universal because the other thing I found on cruise yeah. is you have a much more international crowd than you would think going into it. And you've got tourists That's true. Yeah. from all over. So, mm. you know, the more pop culture references you have, I tend not to write a lot of that kind of stuff like about movies or whatever, but when I'm in that kind of right. situation, I make sure I, I go hard into family because everybody's got one or left one or is building one. And uh, yeah, more popular. Reference. That's another thing. That's definitely another part of it too. Is and I agree with you that the the more universal the comedy, the better. But um, if you are interested in doing ships, and it sounds great, and I thought, and I early on thought that would be awesome. You know, even when my kids are still at home. I will say that it is a rough life. I mean, you're gone. Oftentimes they want you out there for three to four weeks in a row. It may be, you know, three or four cruises back to back or whatever, but it, you're gone a lot and it can be really boring. If you don't have somebody with you, which normally you don't, it, it's a, it's a rough life. I'm not terribly outgoing. And so, you know, I, it takes me a couple of weeks to get to know some of the crew and all that. If I'm just out there for one or two weeks, I I'm, I'm sitting there by myself 
not, I, I, you know, it's, it's a rough, it's a rough existence. And in the meantime, you're missing your family and you're not home and all that. It does pay fairly well, but it's not, it's not, um, it's not easy if, if you're not willing to be by yourself. <laughs> yeah. You got to be a self-starter and, you know, make yeah. use of that time. Yeah. There is a lot of downtime and, you know, the first week, if it's a two week uh, run and they repeat ports, you know, the first week I'll definitely jump off the boat and go check stuff out. Second week I find myself yeah. trying to get more work done. Uh, what's, what's weird. And you probably, I'm sure you've had this effect where you do the week, you stay on the ship, all the people change. And then that the second week, some of the people, you can't remember if you saw them last week or this week, like you're, you, you yeah. almost remember facing yeah. from the previous <laughs> week or, you know, and you're like, yeah, that's true. They start talking to you like, have I told this person all this stuff before? Or is this somebody new? It's, it's just a weird effect. Uh, one thing I you know, one of the things, go ahead, go ahead. I was wow. going to say one of the things that, that I'm not great at is I'm not real disciplined. I've mentioned that a couple of times already. Maybe I'm overselling the point, but I'm not real disciplined even with the way I do my set. So when I go on stage, I don't necessarily have a real fixed set list of just exactly what I'm going to do tonight. Um, on land or at sea. And so I, I'll kind of go through and then I, oh, I think I'll kind of touch on this for a minute. I feel like this would be fun right now. And so I tend to do that. The problem is with that is if I, if I do two 45 minute shows and in those two shows, you know, they're supposed to be the same material, both shows, or they can be. And if I've somehow burnt up an hour and a half in two 45 minute shows, cause I just did different material both times. I can't repeat any of that material now on any of the rest of the shows. So now I'm kind of stuck. You know, I've, I've gone through too much material in that one night. So I think that's probably another thing is just having that discipline of having your sets, you know, fixed uh, on a cruise ship, at least. Uh, yeah. but I, you know, we've, uh, I've, I've done that even on a, in a club booking for a weekend where I'm performing all weekend and I get to the second show on Saturday night and thinking, wait a minute, did I do the premise for this before? Or did I, can I do this callback? I don't remember if I did the joke. Yeah. They used to really kill me on, on like a third show Saturday. I would get that third yeah. show and I'd be tired and, and I'm like, Oh yeah. man. And I just, sometimes I would look at the crowd because <laughs> the third show, obviously sometimes they don't have as much energy. So you'll deliver a line. Even if you didn't do it yet, it may not get the response it should. And then you start questioning yourself like, okay, that's why they're not laughing. I told that already. And then, no, yeah. you didn't. They just didn't like it this time. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, one thing I would do on the yeah. cruise to kind of um, to, to get myself out of my shell a little bit is I would, I would look for some of the other performers on the ship. Typically, they'll have a piano guy. They'll have a, a couple that does, you know, they'll do, and the couples that do the music together, there were a couple that I saw pretty often on Norwegian. I would go and sit and watch their shows, and then I would, you know, I grab lunch with them or say, hey, when we get off in, you know, Roatan, is, is there a place I should check out? And they'd be more than happy to say, yeah. Yeah. there's a place with free Wi-Fi and they've got $2 tacos and it's good food. And, yeah. and I started kind of hanging out. One of the ships I was on had a uh, Second City group. So I went oh. and watched their show. The first, well, the first night we did the review together and then I kind of hung out with them both weeks and had a great time and they they knew all the sweet spots on the islands and the ports to go check out um in fact me and one of the guys on in that second city we we worked for two weeks on a tv show pitch together to oh. make most of our time and and that was really cool so yeah there are some yeah. other souls that are on the ship that are you know permanent fixtures almost and they, they always had the good inside tips on how to save money on the 
oh, the Wi-Fi or the phone call card or yeah. any of that kind of stuff. Yeah, connecting with the other entertainers is definitely helpful. And, and you know what? People warned me going on the ship that some of the crew aren't going aren't to be real happy to see you because you know, you come on, you only work for a couple hours a week. They're working, you know, their tails off all week long and you get paid way more and you're kind of treated as a celebrity, even though they're doing such, you know, so much more work and stuff. So I was warned about that, but I did not find that ever. Every crew member was always super nice to me. Every Everybody I talked to on the ship, you know, I would go down to the officer's bar sometimes in the evening just because I knew that's where everybody was socially. So I'd go down there to try to connect with people. Um, but, but, like I said, just everybody was always just so friendly to me. I, I never ran into anybody that I felt like there was any animosity, but you know, I don't know if some people have that problem or, or not. Um, you know, it's kind of like when people say, you know, America, people don't like Americans out there around the world, you go around the world and you know, people are, these days don't like Americans and you know, people are always yelling at me, Oh, you're American. You started a war. I would think, <laughs> okay, I've been around the world. I've been to like 60 countries when between the military and the ships and if people are yelling at you, I think it might be you. <laughs> right. <laughs> you know, and it's the same with a ship. If you're if you're running into a lot of problems with with the crew because they don't like you, it might be not them so much. Yeah, I agree with that. I've never experienced that problem. I've never had that problem. Yeah, most people on the ships are pretty accommodating, and you know, the cruise director. Yeah. I'd always try to spend a little extra time with them without getting in their way and just seeing. You know, if there's other stuff I could do, sometimes they would do game shows and they needed judges, so I would go do that. Yeah. Boy, uh, I'll tell you, volunteering for stuff on the ship has been huge. I, uh, when there was one night we had hit a storm and so we couldn't pull into one of the ports we were going to do, so it was an extra sea day that they weren't counting on. So I, I knew they were down there scrambling, trying to figure out how we we're going to entertain everybody for an extra day. And I went down and I volunteered. I said, you know, uh, one of the things I've done a lot of is uh, teaching improv. If you want me to do, teach a little improv class, you know, for an hour, uh, you know, at one point during the day or whatever. Oh, thanks. But they were really grateful for that. And the, and the class went great. So since then, I've been doing that fairly regularly on the ships also. And I don't get paid extra for it. It's just something I can do. And I know it gives them a lot of value add, but also, to be honest, it lets me get to know some people and also gives me something to do, you know, right. on, a, on a full 24-hour day that I had nothing going on. <laughs> right. You do need, need a few things on the schedule or else you go stir crazy. Yeah. Yeah, I really do. Yeah. What's up, School of Laughs? This is Atlanta comedian Joel Byers and host of the weekly podcast Hot Breath, your weekly guide to comedy mastery. Every Monday, you can hear well-researched interviews with comedians like Bo Burnham, Aries Spears, Miss Pat, and Rick Roberts, revealing their tips and techniques for finding comedy success on and off the stage. Subscribe to Hot Breath on iTunes, Spotify, YouTube, or any other podcast platform to join the Hot Breathiverse and learn the top comedy tips from comedy's top comics. I hope to see you there. Hot Breath. So we mentioned Brian Kahatsu and, and cross-eyed comedy. Mm-hmm. Uh it's not because you guys yeah, are so, straight, right? It's because it, you, the eyes on the cross is the idea with that. It's not because you guys are have walleye. Yeah, you know, we we, we struggled with that name. I, we, I came up with it years ago, and I thought, you know, we were talking about kind of doing this. And on, on a serious note, I guess, you know, Brian and I were doing comedy a lot, and we're out there in the clubs and, and doing all these things, even in the corporate events and stuff. And I really felt called by God to, to use the gift in in a ministry in some way, and I didn't know how, what that would look like. And I, you know, frankly, I wasn't much aware. I I had seen like Tim Hawkins and some of the bigger uh, church comedians, Christian comedians out there, 
and uh, you know Mark Lowry back years ago and and so forth. And so I I knew that it existed, but I didn't I didn't know how what it would look like as a like a ministry or anything. And uh, for some reason I don't know why I just one night I just thought cross-eyed comedy. Oh, that's neat because my the eyes on the cross and and the idea for the logo kind of came into my head and. So anyway, we put that together. Well, we talked and talked and talked about it. And we kept talking about how we're going to do this. And this is going to be a thing. We never really pulled the trigger on it, never really pushed forward to it for it until a couple of years ago. And now it's really blossomed into something pretty great. We uh, travel all over the country performing. And it, for Crosshead Comedy, it's fun because between Brian and I and a couple of the other people, we just brought Grace Klein on it. Do you know who Grace is? Oh, yeah. part of CCA also. Yeah. And uh, she's uh, and she's in San Diego, but she's come out and done shows with us, and and we've got more scheduled with her. But it's fun because we'll go out for a big event, and we can go out every year to these same venues because if, although we do some stand up, it pushes us to write new stand up because we're doing these repeated shows every year. But we also add a lot of variety into it, so we do some sketch stuff that we've written that is just so much fun to do, and it really goes over well. We do add some improv. Uh, comedy into it so it's really a full variety show that we got to these churches with but um it's it's really been neat and it's uh i see a lot of growth there for it and our our goal with it is you know is, like i said it's a ministry so we tell every church look we we if you want us to come out we're going to come out um we'll try to figure out the budget the best we can so we don't lose money but um but we're we're going to just make this happen and and as a result we've it's been nothing but positive so that's yeah that's great. been great and you know, roughly, what would you say your your mix of corporate events to cruise ships to cross-eyed comedy throughout the years? <laughs> you know, I, I know every year can be a little bit different, but it, is it fairly? Yeah. Well, currently, I've I've kind of turned down a lot of the cruise ship booking requests lately. I, I like I mentioned, I was just on one um, last week, and uh, and so it's funny that I say that because I just did one, but. It'd been a, probably a month or two of uh, no cruise ship work between that one and the previous one. So I, I've kind of pushed that down a little bit because of the time away and all of that. It's just not fitting into kind of the vision I have of where I want to go. Um, so having said that, right now, I think the mix is probably maybe 20, 10 to 20% of cruise ship work. And then the rest of it is probably split 50-50 between corporate events and uh, cross-site comedy events, the, the Christian events, church events and things. Um, and I would, I really want to, I'm trying to um, kind of even adjust that more. So it's more cross-site comedy. That's great. But yeah, as the op- op- opportunities come, you know, it's interesting. I, I not, again, not to harp on it too much, but because of my lack of discipline with a lot of stuff, you are so great, Rick. I, I follow you and I know, and I, and I've listened to you long enough and I know that you're really good at the business side of stuff. I am not that great at that. I've actually had my own businesses and all that. So I think business vision wise, I'm good, but execution wise on little things, I need people to do those parts for me. So one of the things I did a couple of years ago is I hired a uh, booking manager and all it was, was I, I realized I had these booking requests that had come in that I, you know, I responded to, but then I never followed up on them. And on a whim one day, I thought, I'm going to follow up on some of these. Some of these haven't actually happened yet, but I never heard back. So I followed up and I got several of them because I followed up and I realized, wow, this just needs a little bit of effort here. And I'm so bad at that. And so I, I posted on Craigslist a job posting to say, was there anybody out there that'd be willing to kind of handle incoming requests and things. They're, now, this person isn't getting me new jobs at all. They're just 
chasing down the requests that are coming in. Uh-huh. And, uh, and, and I found a gal that she did a great job with, with it. She, um, ultimately she got married and her life kind of got too busy to help me anymore. Um, and now, um, I actually have my sister doing that same job, but it's helped me immensely. I, I work probably twice as much as I would have if it were just up to me to follow that up. So some, some people out, some comics out there are great at the business side and they follow up and they're real personable and, and can do the phone calls and all that. I, I just, that's just not who I am. So uh, I, I brought somebody else on and all I do is pay commission. I, I give her about 15%, you know, of the work uh, of the, the booking fee that comes in for as long as she, you know, um, follows it all up, gets the contracts out, does all that stuff. So I, I highly recommend that to people to, to do that. Um, if, if it's not in their wheelhouse, but you know, it, with any business, anything where if you feel like you can do the whole thing yourself and you don't need help, you're probably not doing at least part of it as well as could be done. <laughs> so no, I, uh, really I always smart. Think, you know, find, find the right people for the right job. Yeah. Yeah, it's smart to identify your weakness so that, and, and farm that out. Um, yeah. And yeah. As, as much as I'm aware of all the things I should be doing, I've probably dragged my feet on hiring a couple people to do some of those things for me, to be honest with you. Uh, there's there's always, yeah. you know, the one thing I, I think I farmed out that was smart was the website design and getting ready to redesign that again pretty soon. Um, yeah. How would you say, because I know people – will ask me this about you after the podcast goes out, but you know, you're talking about incoming leads. What are some of the ways that, that you think or that, you know, the leads are coming to you when yeah. you to invite those. So, yeah. So now, um, so there are several, um, um, entertainment, uh, website boards out there. There's like gig master and gig salad and some of those, and I'm certainly listed on those. And so occasionally, usually those are real low paying things that come in and, or looky lose, you know, where any other funny things, you know, I get all these requests that'll come in somehow filtered to me. That's uh, Hey, so-and-so is looking for entertainment. They're looking for a costume character. I think, okay. Well, obviously that's not me or looking for a Disney princess. Um, you know, so, uh, but, uh, so that's some of it. Um, now obviously, uh, she's not going to be interested in, Oh yeah, Michael come over there for $150 on a Saturday night in, in December. That's not going to happen. Right. Um, so they obviously not all of them come through, but, but so, so there are some through some of those online things, even thumbtack isn't, has been a pretty good one. Um, but also LinkedIn, I've through LinkedIn, I've connected with a lot of event managers and things like that. But most of it, actually the ones that are most successful, at least that come in, come in through my website, and a lot of it is word of mouth. So when I go out to do a corporate event or something, I, you know, I try to follow up the best I can with them to say, and, and my booking manager does it now too, but Hey, thanks for having us out. I hope you guys had fun. If, um, if you feel like this is a, a, a value to, um, you know, other people in your industry or anything else, you know, we'd love to have you share, share information with them. And that, and that works too. And honestly, even if I do, a, you know, a club here and there, I always stand outside with my business cards and hand them out. And the, the one comment I get a lot is, wow, that was really fun. We loved it. And it was clean. Oh, my gosh. I, you know, I was, I was cringing coming out tonight because I just, I hate that real, you know, dirty stuff or I hate real political stuff or whatever. And uh, and I always, that's always my case. Oh, yeah, I always work clean. Actually, here's my card if you, you know, you shouldn't have me come out and uh, do anything for, for you guys or whatever. 
So it just, it's kind of grown. It's weird. It kind of, you know, I'm sure you've experienced the same thing. You start, there, there gets to be a point where you start to see, okay, I'm, I'm starting to see more recurring stuff. I, now, having said that, there's way more work I should and could be doing to go out um, and get work as opposed to sitting around waiting for them to come in. Right. And I do some of it, but, it, uh, but there's, there's always way more you can do. And, and so we're trying to strategize with that, too. I'm actually also in the process of trying to redesign my website and all of that yeah, for both mine and Crosshead Comedy. Yes, yeah, websites are a constant. I, I find you can't go really three years without doing a major overhaul or looking at it really out of date. Yeah, I, yeah it's funny. You think you got your website all looking very modern. Oh, this is this is you know this looks great, and then yeah, you're right. It, within two or three years, it's like wow, this looks this looks like it was made in the nineties. <laughs> yeah, you have to you know buy some kind of app to translate it into mobile, and then and then there's change. Yeah. Google has you know. Most recently, you had to update it to an HTTPS website, or else they wouldn't show it high in results. And every time yep. you turn around, there's something. It's like, you know, we favor video now, and then you know, we punish video. It's just, and all that stuff plays into Google Ads as well. If Google doesn't see your site uh, showing yeah. people what you yeah. say, it's going to show in the ad, then it stops showing the ad. So there's a million, million things you have to keep up on. You know, between this website, the video, and your, your plan, your clients and nurturing referrals. It's, it's constant for sure. Right. I think it's smart that you have the booking person, especially since you identified that's not your strong point with the follow-ups and I think it's a good, yeah, it's just, it? that's good. Um, for people that are listening that want to check you out, I know of a few different Mike James. And so your website <laughs> yeah. is Mike James comedy dot com correct right mike comedy dot com um you're right there's there are a few different mike james out there it's i, I remember i went up to seattle a while ago and i was headlining the tacoma comedy club and somebody said uh somebody said oh you're mike james there's a local mike james i guess he's more of an open mic kind of guy or something up there and they said I couldn't believe he was headlining the club <laughs> <laughs> and uh but uh there's also another guy out there in nashville too um, yeah. who does fairly well uh and so um, yeah, but mine is MikeJamesComedy.com. You can reach me there or at CrossSideComedy.com also. Very good. Well, it's been great talking with you today, uh, especially digging into the cruise ship stuff a little bit because we haven't talked about that on the website. And appreciate you sharing yeah. on that. Absolutely. And I, you know what, Rick, I just wanted to mention too, I really appreciate what you're doing out there too. The, um, uh, part Some through CCA and the work you've done through that, but also – more that your podcast and stuff. I, I'm a regular listener to it. And I, there's, there's always some great nugget of information, whether it's just somebody else's personal experience or, you know, some comment on, Oh, here's a tool I've used or something. I, I it, it really is, is a great tool to uh, listen to your, your uh, podcast. So I, uh, not to, um, you know, be too much of a brown nose here, but, uh, <laughs> but I, I, but I do listen to it all the time and it, it's, it's a great tool. So I, I just recommend to anybody out there to listen to that, but also, connect with other comics and find out what are they doing to help them. You know, comics can tend to be a little tight lipped about, well, here's, here's what I'm doing or who I talked to or how I did this because they feel like they're all in competition with each other. But, but you'll find other people out there that are saying, you know, I, here's what I do, or here's a tool I used, or, you know, here's something I put together. If you want to do it, you can do it too. Yeah. Well, thanks for that. And let me, uh, let me share with you a tool and that you can use and everybody listening can use 
that I've just stumbled on recently. And it's, it's free up to 600 minutes a month. And what I'm talking about is a voice translator app called otter.io. And so this is like Dragon, naturally speaking, where it transcribes things for you. But what I like about it, um, for these podcasts, I could turn on the app and have it listen to the podcast, and it'll transcribe the whole thing for me. Um, and like I say, you get up to six oh, wow. minutes a month. You could do this with your comedy show. You could do this with your sets. Yeah, it's I would say 92, 95% accurate with the, the word, but you can always uh, go back in and edit some things if you want to have an actual transcription. But as a joke teller, it's kind of interesting to see sometimes it took me 60 words to get to the punchline. Can I get there in 50? <laughs> and you can see them right in front of you. You can also see all the ums, the errs, and the likes that are like speed bumps when yeah. you're performing and it drags the comedy down. Uh, but yeah, I, I want to share that because I've stumbled onto that recently. It's also great for if you want to, you know, some people don't and can't grab a pen or pencil or a keyboard and type stuff out or write it out. I talk out a lot of bits into that and then I go back email it to myself or download it and then edit it out from there. So otter it's two T's like the animal.io. You should find that I've got it on an Apple device. I'm not sure if it's Android or not, uh, but very handy tool and free up to 600 minutes a month. So check it out. Oh, that sounds awesome. Yeah. Well, thanks again, Mike for joining me today and uh, everybody go check out his website, Michael, Mike James and are you on Twitter or anywhere else that you want people to follow you or do you want them to, to not? I am. Me? And it's a, it's Mike James comedy on Twitter, on Facebook, on Instagram and some of those. I am not very active on most of those other social things, but, but yeah, the, I'm out there. Um, you can find me just uh, put If you just search for Mike James comedy, I, I'm usually the first one that pops up. Very good. Well, thank you again, sir. All right. Thank you, Rick. Talk to you soon. Hope you enjoyed that episode with, Mike James from Phoenix, Arizona. You know, I was just out in Phoenix uh, this past weekend, and I thought I was going to go out there and get some rays, see some cactus, cacti, all that good stuff. And man, it was raining so hard when I got there. I didn't know if I'd be able to get to the gig. It was like flash flood warnings and stuff, because they don't get a lot of rain out there. When they do, it's it doesn't have any place to go. So it was on the roads pretty, pretty high up there. But I uh, made it through, made it through the gig, which... You know, I'm going to pause for a second and let you know that uh, even at my level, whatever level that is, I guess at, at this stage in the game where I've been doing it for so many years, occasionally a gig will pop up and not shake out the way that you hope it does. And that's kind of what I had this past weekend. Did a gig for a, uh, a, a air assault rifle kind of get together people that shoot air pellet guns. Already, you're wondering, what is he doing at this gig? Well, they get together, they have a competition, they get some awards, they have a banquet. And this year, they thought they'd try comedy. And regardless of how much you pre-plan, talk to the person who's in charge, sometimes things still fall through the tracks. We had major audio issues during the event, uh, a lot of distraction issues during the event. And uh, was one of those where you, about six minutes in, look at your watch and go, all right. This one is going to be a challenge. Uh, it eventually all worked out. They typically do, but it's pretty much I pulled out every rabbit out of the hat uh, from crowd work to getting people up there to sing with me to uh, you know getting the audience involved with some Q&A type uh, lead-ins to some bits. But slowly but surely dialed them in 
and got out of there with my uh, comedy brain still intact. But man, I know how it goes out there. Sometimes not the way you want it to, uh, and it's you know not not always the best thing to do a show like that and then have to fly four hours back across the country. But uh, yeah, it wasn't it wasn't that bad. But it was one of those that I haven't had in a while. So you know, still happens here at this level. And again, pre-planned it. Was told things will be in place when I get there, and they they just weren't. So you're there to serve, grin and bear it, work your way through it, and leave something behind for the client to at least hang their hat on and and uh, pick up the check. Main thing there, pick up the check. Make sure the kids are going to college. All right. Thanks again to Hot Breath Joe Byers for sponsoring the podcast. Thanks again to Christy Largent. And uh, I guess you know if you haven't checked out Club Fifty Two or don't know what that is, go to schooloflast.com. Look up Club 52. It's a 52 email sequence, uh, one year, one email a week, one challenge a week to get your comedy career on track. It's that kind of deal. It's uh, a way you can get a hold of me once a month through a uh, online hangout that we do through Zoom. Get on the video chat, get some specific questions answered for you. And you can do all that for less than 7 or right at $7 or more a month for sponsoring the podcast. So even if you want to chime in for a couple of months, pick my brain and then get out of there. You might want to look into that as an early Christmas present for yourself. Uh, we have other people on the call, obviously. They have knowledge that I don't have. You can network, make friends, and it's always a good conversation. Lasts about an hour. We do it once a month. Club 52, 52 emails, a monthly hangout. Check into it, schooloflast.com. All right, stay cool or stay hot, but whatever you do out there, stay funny. Thanks for listening to the School of Laughs podcast. If you'd like to hear more School of Last podcasts, you can find them on iTunes and Stitcher.com. And don't forget to subscribe and leave a review. For information on upcoming live and online classes, visit SchoolofLaughs.com. Until next time, stay tuned, stay focused, and stay funny.